0: Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. So today I get to interview Christopher. Do you go me Chris or Christopher?
1: I love Christopher.
0: I love, okay, Christopher Renferm. <laughs> Who is in Rotterdam, but he's part of the Lido de Paris, which is on a break because of COVID. And you didn't stay in Paris, you went back home. I did. Thank you to Christopher for joining. It's always fun to get the time differences figured out too, like that I actually figure out like, is it three in the morning? Yeah, so totally different time zones and using Zoom, but it's really fun that like you're right here in my living room. Can you tell a little bit of what your beginnings of dance were like for you? Like what got you into it and what did that look like?
1: So I actually started dancing at the age of eight years old and um, my teacher in primary school thought that I was way too energetic. (laughs) Um, I had so much energy I couldn't sit still. So um, he told my parents that I should join a dance school or do something with athletics. Um, and then unfortunately, um, the number one that I actually wanted because my mom asked me, so, what would you like to do? I was like, Well, I would like to do acrobatics or something something like this. Um, unfortunately, uh, the school was a bit far away, a bit too expensive, and my mom uh, mom's argument was, well, there are no people of color in um, in that school. So why don't you go to the dance school? Because there is a a black girl there. And um, yeah, so maybe that's something you should try. Um, And after my first lesson, my my ballet class, I was in love and uh, Mm. I was sure that I wanted to do this. And I was so grateful that I got the opportunity. I was the only black boy, but there was another black girl in class what um was really really uh nice because as a little boy of eight years old and you look around in the class and you see that you're the only boy because you're you're very young when you're eight you're the only boy that that really has an impact on you you are so you feel so different um and everyone is wearing their little pink tutu and (laughs) and you have to wear um yeah, black tights, and you, you, you see that you're different. Um, but it never stopped me. I always continued because I, I did something that I really loved to do.
0: You fell in love with it early.
1: Very, very early on. Um, and yeah, and then uh, my teacher immediately saw that I um, had potential, what was really, really nice. And she told me after a year that I should audition for uh, the Rotterdam Dance Academy, Code Arts, but the pre-education program. Um, so a year later, I auditioned. I think I was around 9, 10 years old. I auditioned for uh, the pre-education of the academy and got accepted.
0: Good for you.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: The, this is a regular school. This isn't. We talked. Or this isn't where they have the arts. Is this the same thing that has like all the dance, all the floors? Can you yes. describe school then? Because that sounds like. Oh, I wish I had known that was an option. That's a wonderful thing for to get <laughs> yeah school and your dance at the same place.
1: Exactly. So this was actually very. Uh, I was not actually aware that this school was around, and it turned out that um, Code Arts Rotterdam Dance Academy is one of the best modern schools, modern dance schools in Europe. And it was actually my city. So that was really, I was very, very lucky. That 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 was just such a coincidence. So um, my teacher told my parents about this school and um, I auditioned, I got into the the pre-education program. And um, this is a massive building. It's very, very big. It has nine floors um, and uh, in the middle of the, of the school, you have the high school program that was two floors, and then you have four floors up that were, those floors were the dance academy, and then you had five floors down, and they were the music department, so you, have a, you had a conservatoire also in the building, and actually now there's also a circus department, but that's um, new, <laughs> that's quite recent. Um, so yeah, so I, me as a little black boy um, on the big escalators, because there were very big escalators to go up because you have to go to all the, up all those floors. Um, it was very, um, it was very special for me because I'm coming from the, the south of Rotterdam, a very, yeah, a very middle class, very normal neighborhood. Um, so for me, I had to go to the city center was 20 minutes away with the Metro. That was kind of a big deal for such a young kid. I was only 10 years old. So um, my, my sister brought me every Wednesday and every Saturday to the dance academy. And there I got my dance lessons and that really made me happy. Uh, it didn't really. It didn't, it didn't matter that I was bullied heavily in, um, in, in primary school for it because I was obviously a strange kid a, a boy that does ballet um, and uh, that was yeah that was not easy but uh, it never stopped me I always wanted to pursue dancing I, I just loved the feeling that I got when I when I was when I was performing or when I was dancing.
0: So even in the school that's a very much an art school did you still feel kind of other like did were you again like one of one of the very very rare boys of color or
1: yes, was it actually
0: yet we're diverse, but honestly, not so much
1: <laughs> not so much, actually, I was very lucky again. I find myself very lucky and very grateful for it. Um, when I did the pre education program and I auditioned for the high school program, um, there was one boy of color. Um, a guy that is actually very successful in the Netherlands right now. Uh, and he immediately, when he saw me, because I was then the second boy um, of color, he immediately came to my parents and said, oh, well, I will look after him and I will make sure that, he, um, that everything is gonna be okay. And, um, and that really helped me again, because I was, I was not alone. And I think when you are young, when you're only now, I was the age of 13, 14, going to high school, um, what was an amazing program um, that, that, that means that it was so great because it was, um, I didn't have to go to, to my um, primary school anymore or my, uh, yeah, to so my primary school anymore where I had all of these kids that didn't understand dance and they didn't understand that it was actually normal for a boy to dance um i didn't have to be go through the bullying anymore i actually was now in a school where there were more more boys i was not the only boy anymore um that and boys and girls that just love to dance they love dance they love the arts um and it was beautiful to to share it with them so we had our high school um classes like science and math and english and french and german and dutch um you know, your regular classes. And then besides that, you had also your dance classes. So you were also um, going to, to ballet and modern and, con- and contemporary and improv classes. Um, so you learned about dance history and music history. It was just such a, a wonderful way of um, getting ready for the professional dance industry in a dance world. Um, yeah, it was, it was really a nice experience.
0: When you were there, did you knew you, you knew you're going to go for being a professional dancer? Had you kind of made that decision?
1: I immediately made that decision. Uh, it was kind of interesting because, um, as a young kid, I was not only struggling um, with being bullied because I was so different, um, but I was also um, very insecure and. Um, felt very different because I'm dyslexic and um, that means that I actually struggle with um, with spelling and reading and writing Um, so immediately they told me in school that I was not gonna be able to be very successful if I didn't do anything with my hands Um, studying and learning would have been was gonna be a problem for me um, they actually wanted to send me to a school for um, with kids with a disability, but um, luckily I was very stubborn and I wanted to prove everyone wrong. I said, well, I am not stupid and I'm going to show you. And um, I'm gonna work twice as hard to 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 do it. Unfortunately, when I when we're talking now about 1998 90, to 2000, um, unfortunately in Holland, this, uh, dyslexia was very unknown. Um, it was not very unknown, but it was very rare. So a lot of people didn't know about it and em- people immediately assumed that you were stupid. So um, luckily, I convinced the teachers that I just needed extra time and that I could get those grades up. And I did actually. So by the time that I went to high school, I actually got a certificate and I was um, officially... I was officially um, a person with dyslexia, um, so that really helped me again and um, and I immediately knew that I had to do something with my yeah dancing would have been per- would be perfect for me because i don 't have to read or write or or do anything um, yeah do anything that I have to that will actually hold me back and then as well, when I was actually dancing, I had the feeling for the first time that people really understood me. I didn't need words. I could, it's universal language. I could communicate with the, with the people through movement. And I thought that was the most powerful thing to be able to tell a story with your body, with your, with your limbs. That was um, yeah, immediately assigned for me. This is what I need to do.
0: Did you have anyone help you to say, here's what a career in dance could look like? Or did you have to figure that out? Like, okay, I'm going to grab, um, but what does this look like to be a dancer and, and do it professionally?
1: Uh, luckily, I had my teacher, my dance teacher, um, she was incredible. She immediately told me, um, you, you can have a career in dance and you should pursue it and go for it and, and, and believe in yourself, even when you're gonna have people that don't believe in you and are gonna tell you that you're not gonna be able to be successful. Um, and then she was right because most of my dance teachers told me immediately because there was, were no black dance teachers in my school. A very, very big school with a lot of dance teachers, but none of them were of color or, or Asian. It was all um, white teachers. Um, and um, one teacher in particular that was the head teacher, she was very, very convinced that I was not going to be successful. And she, she, she told me that a number of times. And she also told my parents that um, I should look at a different school because this is not the right school for me. Um, you should invite but,
0: her, when the Lido opens, you should invite her to come sit front and center.
1: <laughs> I, I actually luckily had the opportunity already to, to do that. Um, I, I performed, um, I actually made it into the dance academy after the, after the high school program. I made it into the dance academy. There is actually um, a four-year university program in the school and um, I was chosen to uh, work with Yuri Kilian and Hans Fermanen. Uh These two choreographers are very famous and they worked, made choreographed a lot of pieces for uh, Nella's Dance Theater. And they chose me to perform a ballet with them. Um, and this is really the moment that um, I think, I think it was my revenge when she saw me yes. being, being chosen. Out of oh. all the kids uh, it was it was kind of very it was very um it was very special and to be honest, when I graduated from uh the dance academy she um she came to me and told me that um she was wrong, and she said, "I apologize and i'm very proud of you um, oh. so that really gave me tears um yeah i i i couldn't stop crying I was just very very um Touched by that. I, I really, um, I really was.
0: Where did you go from there? Cause I know there's a little bit of a, a journey that got you to the Lido. What, what got you?
1: So, so actually, um, a lot of people started asking me when I finished high school, a lot of kids, um, started asking me, where do you want to dance? Where do you see yourself dance? Where do you want to go? And, um, all the kids in my school, they said, "Oh, I want to dance for Nellon's Dance Theatre. Oh, I want to dance for Scapino Ballet. I want to dance for Danshup Amsterdam. Uh, this is a you know a, a, a company in Amsterdam." Um, everyone had their their plan. Some even some people said, "Well, I want to work for Rombert in London." Um, and i was thinking where do i want to dance where do i see myself and i i couldn't really tell you or tell anyone where i could visualize myself dancing so that really made me think and then i and i, and I stopped and i said well where is there someone that looks like me that is successful mm. so um Again, my dance teacher, who is a legend, she's amazing. She gave me a book uh, of Elvin Ailey. And this is when a light bulb, there was just a light bulb above my head. and, And I thought, oh my goodness, this is my destiny. This is where I have to be. This is where I have to go. I have to go to New York City, to Elvin Ailey American Dance Theater, and I need to dance there because this is where I belong for 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 this long in my um in my school, like school career i can say i i only worked with um i didn't work with any anyone of color unfortunately and um i didn't really have anyone to to look up to besides um the 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 dancer I told you about earlier Louis elvis and he um And and I asked him about Elven Alien. He said, "Well, this is a very good idea. You should look look it up. So, look into it." So, luckily, what I did was I got a um, a scholarship for to go to Elven Alien America Dance Studio. I sent my I sent my videos in, and I um and I wanted I wanted to pursue it. I sent my videos in, and I said, "I am a Dutch student from." Uh, Code Arts, Nena's Code Arts, we're on a dance academy and I would love to study at your school because I believe that this is something that is unrepresented in Holland. We don't have a lot of black dancers that are actually trained in ballet, classical ballet, modern dance Um, and I think that I could be a voice, I could be a voice. If I study at your school and I would go back to Holland, I could maybe be an inspiration or I could help other young kids um, and, 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 and inform them that there are so much more out there and that they actually, that there should be someone that represents, um, mm. s- yeah, represents that of color. And um, what happened is they really liked my letter and um, they gave me a full scholarship to study at El- the, A- the official Ailey school and this is where I went. So I was actually in my second year of the, um, of the Rotterdam Dance Academy and I said, I am going to Alvin Ailey. And they said, <laughs> well, you have studied 10 years with us so I don't want you to throw away everything you have worked on here. Um, why don't you do an exchange program? So one student from Alvin Ailey comes to Codarts and once, and you go to Elvin Ailey, and that's what happened. I went for six months uh, as an exchange student to Elvin Ailey American <laughs> Dance Theater, and I, on, on, I all of a sudden had was was I was surrounded by students of different nationalities different colors every shade of of brown every mm. yeah it was just such an incredible experience um but that didn't mean that there were so many uh, students of that were white asian um from the uh, mexican Um, From the South of America. There were just students from all over the world. It was just so beautiful. And what Elvin Ailey wanted, he wanted to create a dance center where you could um, not only learn one kind of technique. So he was specialized in the Horton technique from Lester Horton. So he didn't just want to create a, a, um, a dance school where you could learn Horton technique, and then you would have to go to the Graham school to learn Graham technique, and then you would have to go to New York City Ballet to learn ballet. He said, why don't we create a dance center where everyone, doesn't matter what color you are, what age you are, what level you have of dance, if maybe you're an amateur, maybe you are a mom that has three children and would love to dance, you are welcome to come to. The Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater mm. and we are going to invite you and welcome you with open arms and it doesn't matter if you're three years old or we, they even have the baby steps um, you can start there as a one-year-old and you can still dance there if you are 90 year old Um, and it's just such an incredible school where you have teachers of all different colors and shades. They teach ballet, jazz, African dance, um, contemporary, tap, uh, Dunham technique, Horton technique, uh, Laban technique. It's it's just such a diverse school, and I just felt so at home, and I loved it.
0: You finally got to be where you were not the... the other you got exactly
1: these- i wasn't at all and then um after six months well actually after a month i already said well i'm not going back to holland <laughs> i need to stay in america i need to stay at the elvin ailey school because i want to get into the, the company and i want to dance here and this is where i belong so uh, luckily my school um allowed me to stay um and i actually um double majored in dance but it's a very interesting concept i had to go to the university the fordham university um to do my academics and then i had to do all my dance classes at um elvin ailey and then i had to do my classes uh online for code arts and on top of that i had to do extra dance lessons to get fill up all those hours so (laughs) i was seen i was actually I was the first person in two years. Um, I was always the the earliest. I was always the one, the first person um, in front of the building when the when the when the doors opened. And then I was the person that left the building the last again because we I was there live. from living there. I was there from eight o'clock till ten or eleven, um, oh. and I was doing the extension classes. So these are the classes that are meant for. Um, uh, Well, you can say amateurs or young professionals or people that actually already, or dancers that already have a job and just want to do a class at Elvin Ailey um, that can be Zumba, that can be a a, a late evening ballet class. It can be whatever. There's so much. Um, I took a class there.
0: And I remember laying, because I think they've changed buildings several times. It was very new when I went... 10 years ago, I remember laying on the floor, even though it's a different floor, different building, I still knew there is so much rich history in this building. Even if the building was new, I feel like whatever that intention, wherever it moved to was like, this is a long legacy of of that. There was so many styles. It was so welcome to all the levels, all the styles, all the ages. I feel like that's rare. And I want to take us, I want to hear more of this, but I wanted to go to where your experience with because. You were all, You've been the other. And looking at, um, the, you know, all the blue belt. It's all. It's all white. And yes. I, I think looking at this is like right now. I'm in Seattle, and we, the Black Lives Matter is very out there. We're having discussions we've never had, and we're talking about diversity in this, in studios and arts. And I think people have thought we were diverse until you look and go, no, we're not. We're starting to listen to the stories of how can we do this and have it represented differently but to go from Alvin Ailey where you are, you found like your home and you get to just be you. We might have to skip a few steps to get there, but I would love to hear about your audition. and What is that again to be the only, the only black dancer and yeah, to be in this, in an industry, especially that type of cabaret and all that, it is a very white <laughs> type of style. So I'm just curious because yeah. you if just like I'm gonna go for it, I'm gonna go for Alvin Ailey, I'm gonna prove that dyslexia is not gonna stop me. i your attitude to keep going, but it's, it's not been a path that has been open for you without you having to like, I'm opening the door and I'm going in, I don't care.
1: <laughs> yes, so um, that was that was actually um very true, it's very interesting how that happened because um, after staying there two years and graduating. Uh, well getting a certificate at Melvin Ailey American Dance Theater and then um, graduating from a a Bachelor in Fine Arts of Code Arts, um, coming back to Holland after working with a couple companies in New York, um, I decided to come back and I had to face reality again because now I was all of a sudden in Europe again and I was not in America where um, even though um, black people are are repressed for so long in the in I want to say in the in the dance scene in new york I, I I can only talk about because I mainly danced and worked and studied in New York. Um, there were so many voices there were so many people of color that were successful um, but then going back to Europe and then standing, deciding to audition for the Lido, where I immediately I mean I knew that the company was it was a white company where um, there was only one black guy in the company. Um, Additioning, knowing that there is kind of a, kind of a rule. I don't know if you are if you know this, but uh, it's called sometimes a company uh, hires a token, a token Mm -hmm. person. So what does that mean? They will hire an Asian person or a black person, and then they will say, we are a multicultural company because we hire a person of color. Yeah. So what that, what that, that meant for me was like, well, it's great. They actually have a black person in the company. But will that mean that they only hire one black person, or does that mean that they actually do like a, a diversity? So uh being in addition, I honestly didn't really um, look at color at the time. I was going from being in a world where I saw all the colors of the rainbow and it was all, it was just, it was just so warm and welcoming. And then all of a sudden I was in Europe again and I was in France and I was in Paris and then I was again, the only black person. But I didn't really like, it didn't really stop me. It didn't really bother me because I had this mindset of, I don't want to see color. I don't want to see myself as any less or different. I want to be seen as equal I want to be seen as a dancer so I told myself if I see myself as a dancer they will see me as a dancer Mm. um so yes I was surrounded by all white people and uh the moment I started dancing I I smile because I always smile. I, I believe that my smile is my shield, my weapon, yeah. my greatest weapon. It is uh, a way to communicate with the world by saying I'm harmless. I am a good person. I am nice. I'm kind. Um, I'm enjoying myself and I'm inviting you to, to, to have a good time. Um, and I did notice right away that they noticed me. It didn't really matter if we, if I was sitting in the front or if I was sitting in the back. Um, and that gave me, that gave me fuel. It gave me also confidence to really go for it and really put my, my, my heart out there and give it my all
0: when you came with this amazing training, which is probably way more than a lot of dancers come into an audition with, like just the fact that being an Alvin Ailey and then the school that you were in an academy, like your training sounds, I mean, anyone that's at a studio all day, every day, you, you, you're probably going to just on that alone, but then also just even speaking with you, I can imagine you on stage that your energy is contagious. <laughs> yeah something before and I don't know if you want to go there but you when you're talking about walking turned out like when you always need to smile to make people think you're safe and like kind of as a disarming it doesn't allow you much option to be other than happy and yeah and you get like a muscle memory can you can you say that I probably gave it away too much but it was such a really hard and beautiful description of what it's like when you have to be a certain way for so long
1: Yeah, I, I believe that I learned from a very young age that when you are of color, that unfortunately you don't have the same opportunities. Um, you're not seen as, as... When you walk into a room and you are of color, people will judge you immediately, unfortunately. So I had to, I had to learn that when you put on a smile, um, as I said, it it feels like it's my weapon. When you put on a smile, people will will see you as, as harmless. So when, when a lot of people ask me at work and I have had it my whole life, they ask me, how is it possible that you're always so happy? Uh, you're always smiling. I never see anything but happy. Then I think, then I tell them, well, because there is, there is no room for anything else, because unfortunately, when Black people don't smile, or they're angry, or they're upset, they are seen as dangerous. So it became kind of of a a, a um, sa- yeah a safety mechanism. And, and then I use the example of when you are a belly dancer and you, you always have to turn out. You're always in first position. You do your bar in first position, second position. You're always turned out. So when you, when you see ballet dancers walking on the street, they always have this turned out Uh, position because they're so used to using those muscles and it's almost hard for them to relax their muscles and to walk parallel so it's the same with me I am just so used to making sure that wherever I go having a smile on my face that doesn't matter if I'm walking past the store and there's a police officer coming by if I have this smile on they will think oh he is harmless because he's having a good time He's not standing against the glass. He's not looking down, looking suspicious. He has a smile on his face, and he's having a good time. So he will be—he will be safe, and he will be harmless. And this is the same thing that I—that you have when you walk into an audition, or if, if you go um, and have a um, a um, a job interview. When you are pres- representing yourself in a certain way, people will see you more as oh well he's an entertainer he is gonna make people laugh oh he's here to have a good time or well he's wearing a suit he has a smile on his face so he's probably educated it's going to be fine when you wear something else it sometimes will be uh, a little bit more complicated and unfortunately when you are um when you are not of color and you maybe were exactly the same as a person of color, you might be not judged so harshly because unfortunately then you're not harmless. But what people of color seem to be um, seen more, like more dangerous, unfortunately. And I don't know why that is. I, I really would love to know the reason for it.
0: There's a lot of us doing a lot of work and a lot of studying about our biases. And I'm gonna promote this book. There's a book called My Grandmother's Hands that talks about what's been in us for generations. And it's like, it's not even our head, it's our body that responds. Like, am I safe? I don't wanna go on that whole tangent, but um, I think that you said like you wanted to not see color, but I think even in this interview, we need to hear the voice of what it was like to be the only boy, the only black person, and that your journey's not the same as ours. And I feel like you don't have to put on a smile And for you to get to tell more of your story is really beautiful because we need to make more space for that. We need to make a space that feels safer for artists because if you're gonna choreograph and tell a story, it can't always be with a smile. Like that truer thing that's in your body and in your heart is a part that I think we need to celebrate more and draw out and appreciate and go, oh, your journey wasn't like my journey. You know, I think that there's something really beautiful about about your color and seeing and getting to see you face-to-face on a Zoom instead of on a phone call to see your beautiful face and to hear Mm -hmm. your story and to see your smile, but also to see when you let that down is to see there's just as much beauty when you're not having to be, you know, the entertainer. And I'm hoping that we're going to make more space for artists that way, because I think it will free you up to tell different stories than what the role that you get put into um, and even with that thing that you get to draw from the Alvin Ailey that you take forward of a place where, Oh, I'm not, I'm not the, the other. I always like that word, the other, always the other, right. like to feel what that feels like. And that maybe we can be learning from these stories that we can do it different in the dance world, the arts world, the entertainment world, because we have borrowed so much from the black community. That's beautiful and changed it and made it white. And it's so sad. Like, I feel like going back to the history, of where these things come from, we need to honor that and appreciate it and not just take it. That was my absolutely.
1: little absolutely, <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I, I completely agree. And I think that um, there are so many stories to tell and we have so many um, different emotions to, to emote. So I, I, I hope that I will be allowed to share all of that on the stage. Um, because unfortunately people of color sometimes still today only get opportunity to excel in certain areas. Um, It is a very interesting concept but I always hear around me, oh black people are so good at dancing, black people are so good at singing, oh black people can always uh, cook really well. And these are all stereotypical ideas of what Black people can do and what they can't do. But why don't I hear uh, people say, well, you know what? Black people are so intelligent. Black people uh, could be lawyers. Black people could be um, anything what they want, actually, instead of putting it, being put in a category and, and, and just being celebrated for the things that some people want us to excel in um and it's it's kind of interesting to me that all the all the really um jobs of with with a lot of power um are never immediately assumed that black people will be able to do like a black doctor um Mm -hmm. you don't hear that you don't hear that like oh black people are great doctors i have I have this doctor, a black doctor, and he 's so incredible, and he's the best doctor I know you don 't hear that. you hear oh black singers, black rappers oh they are just they're just the best. well, why can 't we be anything else and it doesn 't mean that we are not because there are so many black doctors and so many black lawyers and yeah. judges and but it is an interesting concept to think about that we are being put in categories and that, we, that people want us to succeed only in certain um categories
0: yeah well i think even like what started in america with the black lives matter protest that all of a sudden we're seeing protests all over the whole world that people isn't beautiful about, yeah and i think it's like you know definitely about pl- police brutality but also like wait our systems are have been started out this way and my hope is that we don't just get tired and go back to the way things were and i think that even in the middle of covid we're in a place like. Oh, things can change, but we have to do the work. And, Absolutely. and I love that you chose to be a dancer because I'm excited to see you in the show, but you chose what your heart drew you to, even if that meant you were the only black boy in that ballet, you know, and then at that ballet class, like the fact that you, yeah. you followed your heart, because I feel like that also can be not encouraged. Like the fact that you had a teacher that, that encouraged you. That, you, that we need those people to say you can do this and I think even you in the Lido and is it Michael? is that the Yeah other? La Michael La, Mike, La Michael. Yes. I think that if other dancers of color see that and go there might be space for me here so it's not like you have to be the token that you actually did it because of your talent and your beauty, but it maybe opens the door for somebody who's younger to say, oh they're doing that. maybe I can do that.
1: Absolutely, because I actually um, immediately i 'm I'm dancing for the company now uh, three years already, and um, after a year, I started talking with um, La Michael about the fact that we only have two black people in the company of a company of seventy dancers, and I immediately started to um, ask around and say, why aren 't there more beautiful?" black dancers, Asian dancers, doesn't matter where they're from, but just more diversity in the company. And he said, well, um, I don't really know. And I said, well, don't you want to do anything about it? I think we have the responsibility to be the voices um, and to help other people and inspire other people and help the company to really truly represent a multicultural cast because this is something that is is going to be so beautiful to see. Uh, Imagine all these people from all over the world because our our audience is quite diverse to see all the beauty of the world on the Lido stage. And then I took an initiative because um, uh, when I asked the directors uh, about the fact that there were no other, and especially no black female, beautiful black female or Asian female, principal, dancer, or bluebell or bell. Um, then their answer was, Well, we have additions and they don't show up to the additions. So there's nothing we can do. And then I said, Well, there is a lot that you can do, there is a responsibility that you have. If you Say, well, we represent an international cast, and that is true. There are 12 nationalities in the cast, which includes Russian, Polish, um, uh, people from Belgium, Holland, uh, America, Canada name it. But, um, people of color, we only have one girl, well, two girls, we have one Asian girl from America, and she is uh, half Filipino. And we have another girl that is um, half Brazilian and half French. Um, But I said, well, if you are not willing to do the work, I'm going to do it. So I um, went around in Paris, and I went to ballet classes in all different dance studios. And I made sure that the the edition poster was up in those dance studios. And and if I found a Black dancer, a beautiful Black girl or a guy, I told them, do you know that there's a Lido edition coming up? I'm one of the dancers at the Lido and I would love for you to try out for the edition. And um, I managed to have five beautiful Black dancers um, that were very enthusiastic. They were very nervous um, because they didn't think that they were going to be able to do the audition or that they will be looked at or that there was even a possibility. I made sure that they were the right height. They were uh, tall enough. They were in beautiful shape. They were technical ballet dancers and they were able to do jazz. And they were just perfect. They were great dancers. They went to the audition and um, then I asked the directors about it. And I said, well, I sent all of these girls... Um, to the audition, and what do you think? And um, they told me, well, unfortunately, they were not good enough to be a, a principal dancer or a soloist at the Lido. And I and then I said, well, but what about a blue? They could they, you could hire a bluebell or a bell. Well if she is of color, she will stand out too much and she would be in the, she has to be in the soloist line. Otherwise she would stand out too much in the, in the line. And I said, well, that's unfair because if you, if a black person has to be as good as the principal or better, so you are confirming that the theory that I always have is black people have to work twice as hard to achieve anything in life um, because of their color. So you're actually confirming that people of color actually have to be the best or better than the best in the company um, because otherwise they will stand they will stand out too much and they are not supposed to stand out um, and I think that goes back to the idea of the old fashioned idea of that um, the ballet line of you know all the white swan and they're all white and their skin complexion is all white and they're all they all have to be fitted in the line and um, I don't think that Lido should stand for that. Lido is it should be a diverse company. It's um, it's all about individuality. It's um, all the girls look different and they're gorgeous in their own ways um, and we have high differences because the bluebells are shorter than the 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 Sublimes. The, uh, the soloists. Um, and I think that's really unfair. And, and I, and I share that opinion with them. I think it's unfair that a black girl has to be the tall, one of the tallest girls and one of the best girls. Um, otherwise, she will stand out. I think that's just not a good excuse. So actually, me and another girl, Hillary, an American girl, we are starting a plan. We're, we're working on it as we speak to... Um, yeah, to, to find a way to, um, make Lido more diverse. So hopefully in the, in the future, we will see more beautiful voices and, um, um, beautiful girls and guys of, of color. And, um, and this is something that I'm really passionate about because I realized, um, that I have a responsibility as a, uh, as a young dancer of color to make sure that our next generation and uh the generations to come um, that they are going to have equal opportunities and that we're going to have companies that are not only going to have one black dancer and one asian dancer but we're going to have companies when where it is uh it's no it's not a um, a matter of oh we're going to have one or two it's going to be we are going to hire anyone. If you are tall enough, if you are talented enough, so not, that doesn't mean that you have to be the best of the best, because that means that if you're not of color and you're not as tall as the tallest girl and not as talented as the, as the, tallest, as the tallest girl girls, that it is okay that you can be, that you actually are hired because you are, you are just not supposed to be, it's, it's okay. Yeah. And that well that's that 's not okay let's let 's talk about equality so that anyone that additions for the company um, and anywhere in the world uh, that we 're just going to have companies filled with beautiful Indian girls, Indian guys um, Chinese Japanese um, african South American people from all over the world black, white, brown, and anything in between. Um, I really, I'm really, um, I really hope, I really dream about a world where where that is going to be the reality.
0: I can't think of a better place to end our our interview. That gave me chills because one of the things coming out of this movement that's not going to just be pro. There's a movement. It's reimagining because we. There's things that are coming up that like well we didn't think of that before because we've done what we've always done. And so even moving progress forward, it might be, let's just change this one tiny thing. And suppose like, wait, we have the ability to change history of how things have been because we didn't know we could change it. So I, that gave me chills. It made me cry because I'm like, that's what I want to see. But it, I think our idea has been like, it's not going to change. Nothing's ever going to change. Maybe it will take 10 more years before we get one more person of color up there but your passion and your heart and your story, like I'm so much about the story. That's why the podcast is happening. Your story is so important and you're doing it within something where people see you, you, you couldn't come in from the outside and try to do this, but being a part of the company and how value valued you are within the company, that's where I can see change happening and people may resist, but they're going to go, Oh, I never, I mean, it's like you will give them a vision that they didn't know could be and it may take some time and I think there has to be grace in there but also don't give up on that because it. we're in a place in the world right now because the whole world has been on lockdown and having to rethink things we can make it more beautiful and it is people like you that have that that smile that you but you don't have to have that be a a mask it can be like I "I, I am bringing you something really beautiful and I'm really strong in it, that you don't have to apologize for your strength or your voice or your passion. It is beautiful, and I want to see this happen. And I'm going to be following you. And when I come to Lido, I'm going to say, "Hey, I would love to see some tall Indian women up <laughs> here." I
1: would, but it's not yes. the total... Yes. Can the you total... can you imagine? I I can imagine it. I can envision it. I can see it. I just want to see diversity. A beautiful, beautiful one, two, three, four, five, six how many beautiful Indian girls, Chinese girls, Japanese girls, African-American girls, like, I can see it. I can see it. It's just, wouldn't that be just a beautiful sight to see? Mm. I think this is really something that... that we should try to imagine, because my teacher also to- always told me, visualize yourself somewhere. Even if you don't see yourself there, visualize um, yourself in that company or in that, uh, in that place with those people. And, um, and, and as I said, yes, maybe sometimes my mask, my mask, my smile is a mask, <laughs> But I must also say that I have a big smile from ear to ear, um, nine, out of the, nine out of the ten, because I walk around in the little hallways being so grateful to be part of such a legacy. I feel honored and privileged, and um, to be able to share my art, my heart my soul on the Lido stage with the people um, and having a a director that is also an amazing person and gave me that opportunity and she really cares for all of us. Um, And um, she believes in me because she she also gave me the opportunity to do the principal role uh, very early on after my first contract, what I'm really grateful for and I, uh, and I hope that I can inspire um, many more dancers and um, yeah, anyone anyone really that, that comes and see the show and that encourages them to, to not only become a dancer or an actor or singer, but anything in the world. Because when you believe you can do anything, you put your mind to. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how high obstacles are. Because yes, people of color sometimes have bigger, higher obstacles than than other people. But it doesn't mean that you cannot achieve it. If you're willing to put the work in, you are going to achieve it. President, former President Barack Obama did it. We can all do it. Mm-hmm. It is. We're all human. We're all one race, the human race. And if you are willing to fight for what you stand for and what you believe in, you are going to succeed. And whatever you do, I believe this is my motto: Do it with a big smile on your
0: face. Mm-mm-mm. I'm gonna see that smile. I'm gonna be in Paris when this all when you guys get to get back in the show. We can travel. I so look forward to seeing that smile on the stage, and I've. I've Everybody I've interviewed, I said, please let me take you out for coffee all together and just sit in person and just celebrate that everybody's out of their house and that you're dancing again. I love that you're you're bringing history with you and you're creating new history. Like you're moving forward into the next what what it can be. And so I'm going to let we're going to end because I I could talk to you for hours. This has been (laughs) inspiring. I think you have the most beautiful heart, and I want to see you actually put that on the stage. So. Thank you, Christopher, so much for this time. And I will see you, you. Kristen and Patty, one day.
1: Yes, I cannot wait.